Hi, Burak. Thank you so much for, for the space, for the opportunity, for the invitation. I love talking to you and I love seeing you. So thank you again. Um, so a little bit about me, quick intro. Uh, my name is Alex. I'm, I'm from Mexico and I've been a social entrepreneur all my life. I've launched five uh, startups. Uh, one of my first one was not a social enterprise. After that, all of them are, have been social enterprises. They've never been in the same industry. They've never been in the same product or service category. They've all been different. They've even been in different countries, but they've all been uh, kind of within the same sphere of influence, which is empowerment, uh, which is which is my big why and and what really drives my life. In addition to that, um, I studied a little bit of development. I love uh, helping improve quality of life. I've traveled to 100 countries. I've lived in 11. I am a mentor to 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 the startup ecosystem, um, a professor and, and an author, a content creator as well in terms of, you know, the inner game of entrepreneurship and, and, and how to make sure that you always win regardless of what happens on the outside. So very happy to be here and thank you again for the invitation. That's fascinating. Now you are not just any entrepreneur. You have a strong focus on sustainability, social impact, and you have traveled, I think, lots of countries. Can you talk about how these, I mean, that shapes your view on startups and entrepreneurship, by the way? Yeah. Um, so for me, you know, I, I went to Babson, which is, I, I just got an email this morning, which made me very happy. It's it's the number one school for entrepreneurship in the world for the 27th consecutive year. So they really, they, they, they just teach entrepreneurship, right? And I went to Babson without knowing anything about entrepreneurship and without knowing if I was an entrepreneur or not. And then it just blew up in my face and, and I realized, okay, this is, this is me. Cause I, I hadn't started a business before going to college. Um, and so when I, when I went to Babson, I, there was always this, this internal voice inside me that said, I mean, it's great that they're giving me all of these skills to maximize profit, but business has to be about something more than just that. Like for me, the, 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 the whole concept of maximizing profit was very obvious and was just a very basic uh, concept. You know, it was your a business has to make more than it costs. If not, it's not a business. But can we get over that? And so um, I didn't quite know what that meant. And this was 2005 to 2009, not too long ago, but definitely the word social entrepreneurship was not in the Babson lingo. Right now there's an institute, there's everything for that. But I was trying to carve my own way. And then I realized that, you know, business had to be about leaving the world better than you found it. And uh, because it was such a catalytic, such a powerful uh, system for change. And and you could argue that any product or any service does indeed leave the world better than you found it because it's all about disruption and innovation. And I agree, but it also can leave the world be- worse than, than, than it found it in case of the, the consequences, right? And so um, finally, I pinpointed and I understood that it was all about trying to solve social and environmental problems while making money at the same time. And that kind of became my my guiding mantra. And I did everything I could to figure out what social entrepreneurship was all about to the extent that when I graduated during the ceremony, the president said, there goes the first social entrepreneur that graduates from this institute. And he pointed me out because I, you know, I started a company in Uganda. Then I went in and I started a company in Rwanda, all this while I was studying. And I was just trying to find a way to, you know, unite profit and impact. And 
you know, for me, I love entrepreneurship. I love creative destruction. It's more than just starting a business. It's an, it's a life attitude, but it's not meaningful for me if it's not solving a social or environmental problem, if it's not improving quality of life. And I realized that you could do this and you could do this well, and you can make a lot of money through it and for it and because of it. And so why would you do it any other way? And I think there's, there's, there's enough space in this world for any other type of entrepreneur. But for me, <clears throat> social entrepreneurship is what really makes me want to start businesses and, and, being an entrepreneur is so miserable, so challenging, so 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 solitary, that you need you need a big driver um, that comes from the inside to keep you going, and and that's been my driver, my driving force. You know, finding a way to leave the world better better than I found. Amazing insights, Alex. Uh, but it's not just external factors that interest you. I think uh, you have talked about the inner game of entrepreneurship. What does that mean for our uh, listeners and uh, other founders. So this is this has been a discovery, um, a recent discovery, and this is a result of you know being a founder and being an entrepreneur within the heart of the ecosystem, right? You know, I, I went to Babson, the the number one school. I've been uh, invested in by by top tier VCs and 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 angels. I participate in the world's top accelerators. I teach entrepreneurship at universities. Like I've I've seen the system from the inside. And I realized that um and, and this is is it, it's not that we're trying to deceive people, but it's it's because um there's there's a very clear um factor that I'll explain, which is the entire business world is based on a very big illusion, which is that you can you can control what's outside of your control. And ultimately what happens is that we consume, you know, uh, the best way to do marketing, the best way to do strategy, the best way to do whatever, thinking that if we do the best marketing campaign, people will buy our product. If we design the best strategy, we're going to make it through the storm. And to this day, thousands of years later, thousands of entrepreneurial stories later, still nine out of 10 businesses fail. Why? Because a lot of the things that are happening in the business world are outside of our control, right? And so there's this other game, which is the inner game. That's the that's the outer game. And that's all about the human doing, right? And that's everything that's outside of you. And in parallel, there's this other game that nobody's talking about, that nobody's focusing on, which is the inner game, which is the, the game of the human being, not the human doing, which is the founder. You know, what, what are we going through? And, 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 and how can we find a way to not only navigate the storm, but actually, and not only survive the storm, but actually thrive and, and make sure that we're enjoying what we're doing, right? And so you don't get that in business school. You don't get that in the accelerators. You don't get that in the fellowships. And what's worse is that a lot of people sacrifice the inner game just to get the outer game, right? And so you have this narrative that's been normalized, which is, you know, the 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 superhero founders and they don't eat and they don't sleep and 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 they 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 never take a shower and they're doing everything and they're sacrificing all their well-being and then ultimately something happens to their business but they lost a lot of their own well-being so the inner game is all about learning how to master your mindset learning how to master your process and learning how to master your purpose and what's beautiful about the inner game is that if you learn to win on the inside then you always win no matter what happens to your business. It doesn't matter if your business fails. It doesn't matter. Like we want everything to go as planned, 
but it's it's about transcending that external reward and that external circumstance and understanding that the reward of entrepreneurship is not just at the IPO level. It's not just when you sell your company. It's not just when you become a millionaire or a billionaire. The reward of entrepreneurship is every single day. Life, life is a journey. It's not a destination. And understanding that allows you to, you know, turn every, every challenge into existential gold and ultimately just have um, the opportunity to create an existential start. I mean, an existential unicorn. And because your startup is your life and you deserve to have an existential unicorn and an existential unicorn is a life full of a lot of uh, significance, a lot of meaning and a lot of purpose. And I love your t-shirt because it says I'm the next unicorn. And that's exactly it. You know, we, we forget that we're that we're placed on this planet for a limited amount of time. And we're all just trying and trying and trying to win on the outside when we should be really focusing on also learning how to win on the inside and to, you know, make decisions from a state of awareness and not just from a state of inertia. So that's what the inner game is all about. Absolutely, Alex. The inner game is often overlooked. Um, moving on, uh, something more commonly discussed. Uh, product market fit and founder uh, problem fit. Can you shed light on these aspects? I mean, because I'm going to ask you about existential founder fit, but before moving to that, what is product market fit and founder problem fit? So if you're if you're in the startup world, these are two terms that you're going to come across, right? Why? Because because you need them to survive, and and these are terms that you need to know as a founder. But these are also terms that the investors, the VCs, they're going to use to validate and to examine your startup. So product market fit is, do you have the right product for the right market? What that basically examines is, are there people willing and able to buy your product or to buy your service, right? Because you can have the right product, you can have an amazing product, but you, but it, it's not the right product for that market, right? And so what happens if nobody's buying your product or your service? Your startup is going to die. You need product market fit to survive, right? And so that's what investors like to see. They like to see product market fit. Some startups get there quicker than others. Some take a long time. But eventually, you know when you hit product market fit because you feel it on the inside and it's, you know, it's, 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 it's hard to miss. You know when you have it. And founder problem fit, what that's trying to examine is the validity of the founding team. So product market fit examines the validity of the product or service. Founder problem fit examines the validity of the founding team. And what you're trying to examine or validate there is, is this the right founding team for this particular problem? Because you can be an amazing group of founders, but you're not the right founders for this particular problem, right? There has to be a match between your expertise or between the, your life story or between something and that 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 product or service that you're creating. If not, you're just an opportunistic founder, right? And if you're an opportunistic founder, you're not going to have that drive to really transcend the difficulties that you're going to face. And so these two levers are very important because if you don't have those, chances are your, your startup is going to die. And these are the levers that the outside world uses to examine your startup. So these are the external game levers and drivers, right? And, and, and they're outside of you. But then there's this new concept that 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 I that I coined um, because I saw a lot of the a lot of the the, the founders that I that had I had the, the privilege of helping with these mentorships and I saw it in my own story. 
that, you know, how do you realize if this startup or this project or this business is the right project, startup or business for your existence, for your life? And that's the existential founder fit. So why? Because you can have an amazing startup, but it's not the right one for your life, right? And if you discover that, that's a very risky state of being to be in because you know, you're not going to have that alignment, that existential alignment, and you're going to be doing something that might not be meaningful to you because you're doing it for the wrong reasons. You're doing it because that's what your father told you to do, or because, you know, it's a trending topic or because that's what your friends expected you to do, or you're doing it for other reasons that are based on inertia, not awareness. And you're finally living a life that's not aligned to your core values, that's not aligned to your big why, that's not aligned to your mission, and that's not aligned to who you are as a person and to your overall philosophy of life. And I've seen a lot of founders fall into that trap and then be absolutely miserable. Because as we said before, you know, uh, being a founder is extremely difficult. And if on top of that, you're going to throw in a type of industry, a type of business that you romanticize in your mind because that's what your mind is going to do. It's going to romanticize it. And you fall into this trap of, I don't really like what I'm doing. You're going to suffer so much. And this life is so short that you don't have the luxury of not being in, you know, congruent existential alignment. And what you do or what we do should be ideally an extension of who we are. And if you connect that, then like we were talking before, you know, um, you don't have a job. You just have, you just have a life and that life is, you know, it's, it's just overarching everything that you are and everything that you do. So finding an existential founder fits is super important. And I think founders should try and get product market fit, should try and get founder problem fit, but they should also try and get existential founder fit. And that means they have to stop and learn how to make decisions and, and, and take choices from an awareness point of view and not just from an inertia point of view. The problem is, that we're not designed as a human species to operate from awareness. We're designed to operate from inertia. So that's why it gets very complicated, but we can, I mean, there's a way out. Great points, Alex. Do you have a story? How did you arrive this idea, by the way? Do you have a personal story that existential founder fit? Do you have the earlier experience in your earlier ventures, companies? Yes, so this, this existential founder fits um, concept came to me uh, during my fourth startup. So my fourth startup, it's been a very successful startup. It's it's called Pixa. Um, and we're the world's highest ranked B Corp in our industry in food and beverages. And what we are, it's a social enterprise. We, we've always said that we're a social empowerment platform disguised as a pizzeria. So what we do is we sell blue corn pizzas. We create the world's first blue corn pizza made out of 100% Mexican ingredients. We sell it in our pizza shops. And as a social empowerment platform, we exclusively hire homeless young adults. And we put them through a one-year program um, where they become branch managers. We give them a lot of social emotional skills development, and we help them move out of the shelter, move into their own apartment, right? And there's case studies written about us in Harvard and Stanford. And, and you know, it's it's been a very inspirational um, model for a lot of entrepreneurs all across the world. So everything was beautiful. Um, at the beginning. And I had a very, very big why. And my big why was all about, you know, giving uh, these young adults an opportunity to to take control of their lives and have a better tomorrow. But I completely romanticized 
the day-to-day business side, right? Running a restaurant and being in the restaurant industry. I had never worked a single day in a restaurant. I had, I, I am not a chef. I have no food experience or background. And I just said, hey, you know, this the, the purpose is so strong that it doesn't matter what I'm doing. And it got to the point, Burak, that this is, you know, three years after, and I'm completely miserable, you know, um, because if you've ever worked in the food and beverage industry, it's it's really hard, you know, and, and every industry can have its very, you know, hard and complicated things, but it's... <clears throat> It felt to me like a prison. You know, I was working Monday to Sunday. Uh, I didn't have weekends. I obviously didn't have holidays uh, because you have to be there in the restaurant all day long. And, you know, I was putting pizzas in and out of the oven. I was washing dishes. I was cleaning, mopping the floors. And it's not that those tasks are beneath me, but there was one thing that was, you know, very difficult for me, which was it was a very predictive, very, um, very, very predictive and very... um, it was just kind of like the same, my, it was the same day over and over again. You know, there were a lot of problems, but I knew what I, like my, my, my learning curve just got to a point where I was, I wasn't learning too many new things. I was just putting out small fires all the time. And I felt super depressed and I was in complete burnout. I was just about to get married. Um, and my wife said, listen, I, I need you to give me one uh, wedding gift, which is, get out of that business. You know, I haven't seen you in, in two years that we've been engaged and I'm going to get married to you and and I need you to have a better life. Right. And so find someone that loves running restaurants. And so that's when, you know, I had to make that really tough choice of examining my startup and saying, like, do I like what I'm doing? You know, and, and there's an escalation of commitment, right? There's that sunk cost fallacy, which is, this is my business. I started this company. I asked investors for money. Like I'm responsible for my creation. I can't just walk out, but how can I walk out or how can I find a different way to still serve this company without operating it? And so that's when I said, you know, I don't have that existential founder fit. At least I don't have it anymore. And and I deserve to not feel miserable. And I deserve to serve this company from a point of power, from a point of abundance, not from a point of scarcity or from a point of being scared. And so um, I talked to my investors and I said, listen, guys, I can't do this anymore. You know, I'm, 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 I'm trapped. I'm trapped inside a, a prison that I built for myself. So let me find someone who is my complete opposite, who loves running restaurants, someone who has that existential founder fit with the restaurant industry that finds joy in doing this day-to-day operation. And let me just do the social impact part and to do the strategy part, which is where I thrive, which is where I can add value. And so, um, thankfully, they 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 responded positively, and they helped me find that person. And we ended up, you know, um, hiring a group of seven directors that were going to do all the things that I wasn't being able to do uh, because I wasn't shining at my highest state. And you know, that was five years ago. And to this day, uh, the company is is still going well, and we have people in the right positions. And I have a, a, a non-operating role where I can serve the mission from a state of power. And so that's what I mean by the existential founder fit. And, you know, there, we change, we change as people, our missions change. Everything is, is in constant evolutionary state. And if we, if we're aware, if we, if we do reflection, if we're introspective, 
we can get ourselves to a point of, you know, operating from a state of power and not from a state of survival or from a state of, you know, just more and more inertia. So that that's my personal story. And um, I've had countless experiences with countless founders when I'm, when I have the opportunity of listening to their stories and helping them out where I see that they're trapped as well, because they made a choice to go into a line of business that they had no idea why they were doing it. And that's where it all starts. If you don't know why you're doing it, you're going to fall into that trap. So I'd like to ask another question. Sometimes the startup daily life is difficult. So how do you separate uh, the existential founder and also it's not a, a perfect fit for you about asking questions? I think you have, with your experience, uh, six detonating rhetorical questions, evaluating this existential founder fit. So what are these questions? Because normally the startup day is difficult, but Uh, sometimes challenging. So I would like to also separate this part from founders' hard life and not a fit for a founder uh, right. mission. That's a that's a that's a great distinction, and and I think we have to double click on that because anything that's worthwhile in life is not going to come easy, um, cheap, or fast. You know, and and being a founder is going to be difficult, but it's all about you know. There's going to be a day-to-day things that you're not going to like, but is that 80%? Is that 90%? Or is that is just that, you know, an, a 10% that you can get over? So it's about understanding that you're not going to like everything. Um, and I don't want to generate that expectation, but it's about understanding, does this make sense in my life? And, you know, the, 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 the best example I could use is I, I kind of think that we're all like, um, we're all like the director's the producers, the screenwriters, and the and the main actors in the film of our lives, right? And sometimes we forget that. So you have to put, sometimes pause and say, "Am I what, what type of movie am I watching? Is this a horror movie? Is this an adventure? Is this a romance? Like I have the power of changing the script. So I change the scenes and therefore I change my life. And so it's taking a step back and saying, does this still make sense with my overall life or am I miserable? Not miserable, founder miserable, which is we're always going to be miserable. Like, am I still happy or not? So there's, there's, there's this, these six questions that allow you to evaluate whether or not you have existential founder fit. And these are the six questions that work for me, but maybe there's other questions that work for other founders. Um, the how is not so important. The why is more important, which is, you know, making sure that you give yourself that space and that time to be reflective and to ask the the deeper questions. So the first one is, will it maximize my existential uh, meaning? So that's like looking at your life and saying, you know, is this is this meaningful? You know, I mean, to me, uh, and how does it connect to the to the bigger purpose in my life? The second one is the one I fell victim to, which is, will I love the day to day? Okay. So there's things that you're not going to love and that's okay. But will I love putting pizzas in and out of an oven? You know, will I love mopping floors? Will I love talking to customers? Well, do I love being in a restaurant? If, 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 and it's all about, you know, trying to think about the realistic parts of the business and not the idealistic parts of the business, because as founders, our mind is always going to romanticize what we don't know. So um, think about whether or not you're going to like the day to day. And if you don't really know, then it's a better use of your time. Take an internship, talk to someone that's, that's been in that industry. Like just 
somebody else's diamond time experience that from from a personal perspective and see whether or not you like it third is will it will it put me out of my comfort zone you know being a founder you're never in your comfort zone but still there's an extent you know i mean you can be doing a business in an industry you know a lot of with people from your professional background like or you can be some, doing something completely different and if you're outside of your comfort zone, that's where your evolution begins. Your evolution begins where your comfort ends. And so if you're constantly outside of your comfort zone, you're constantly going to be generating new existential meaning. And your brain is going to be expanding as a result of the neuroplasticity, and you're literally going to be a new person. So it's all it's all about the existential creative destruction. So it's trying to gauge how far out of your comfort zone you're going to be. Um, four is, does it connect with my big why? So that's that's kind of like the the standard principle, which is, do you know what your big why is? If you don't know what your big why is, you got a lot of work to do in terms of self-discovery and in terms of um, getting outside of your comfort zone, right? But the second one is, am I doing something that is aligned to my big purpose in life? If you're not doing something that's aligned to your big purpose in life, that's a very risky spot to be in. And you have to know very well why you're doing that. If 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 you don't know why you're doing it, you're not going to have meaning and purpose. And so your your business should be a clear representation or an extension or a manifestation of that big why in your life. Five, is it aligned with my philosophy of life? That's all about your inner values. If you're running a business that is not aligned to your inner values because you're just doing it for making money or whatever, you know, there's businesses that go against your inner values. You're going to have um, what you call a existential dissonance. It's not a cognitive dissonance. It's an existential dissonance. And it's going to be really hard for you to drive that business because at the same time, you're tr- you're going to try to repress and deny and escape from those feelings of you know feeling like you're a fraud and you're going against what you believe in. And finally is, you know, would I, would I, would I like this business to be my legacy? And, you know, a legacy is not is not something that you that you build and that you give when you're about to die. Your legacy is your entire life. It's it's who you are, not just what you do. And so will people look back and say, ah, of course, you know, it makes sense that Burak did that because that's exactly who Burak is. Or are they going to look at your startup and say, I have no idea why he did that. You know, like that that is not aligned to who he is, or that's not an extension of who he is. So you can ask yourself that question and and do like a a mental effort where you go to the day that you're just about to die. Maybe you're 90, maybe you're 80, you're in your bed and you're like, okay, look back and see this startup and ask yourself if it makes sense as a legacy to you. So I think all of these questions really get you to a reflective point where you can say, listen, I'm in control, you know, I can, I can decide what I'm doing with my life. And, and it, it eventually all comes down to one concept, which I love, which is the, you know, the existential opportunity cost. It's not the economic opportunity cost. You're not trying to maximize a return on investment based on money or based on monetary um, value. You're trying to maximize meaning and purpose. And so if you're doing this startup, you're not doing something else. So make sure that this startup is helping you create that existential unicorn and and make sure it's it's a life that you know gives you a lot of meaning and purpose. Because at the end of the day, your well-being is going to be based on that. I just listened to a podcast uh, from Simon Sinek, uh, and and they just finished a the longest longitudinal study of well-being that they've done in Harvard University, and they followed. 
um, people for, I think it was 80 years. And, you know, the, the most successful ones, the, the ones that had the best lives, and they tried to see if they had common things, right? And and what is it that they did to have, you know, the best lives possible? And it all came down to purpose. It all came down to 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 loving that purpose. And the people that loved what they were doing had the best lives and had the most successful lives. And so another way of saying that is the people that had existential founder fit in their business, in their jobs, in their whatever, fill in the blank, they're the ones that are going to have happy, fulfilling lives. You have also a mentorship experience. So, uh, I mean, asking with six uh, these questions, rhetorical questions, founder oneself can understand that if he's existential founder fit or not. But can you understand as a mentor if the founder is really existential founder fit or not? Yes, I've, I've, I, you know, and and I'm sure as as an investor, as a VC, you've been able to experience this too. There's there's a certain glow, there's a certain drive, there's a certain light in the eyes of founders where they make it clear that they cannot live in a world where their startup does not exist. And that that glow for me is the manifestation of existential founder fit. They're talking to you from the heart. They're not talking to you from the mind, right? And and they're 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 starting this because it's so existentially meaningful for them that they literally cannot live in a life where this doesn't exist. Like they've seen the light and they can't turn away from it. They're like, I need to do this. You know, it's, it's, and, and it's irrational because starting a business is irrational. And, you know, it's, it's 95% failure rate. And if I told you, you know, crossing that street, nine out of 10 of you will get hit by a car. We wouldn't cross the street, but we do start businesses. Why? Because it, it, it has that, innate existential meaning to us. So that's what I see in, 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 in founders that have it. And what I, what I see in founders that don't is that they're speaking to me just from the, the, the head, you know, and, and you now they're reading through their decks or they're telling me um, why this makes sense to them all from the standard business protocol, which is, you know, it's a big market opportunity. Um, it's, it's, you know, we can make a lot of money. Like the, the potential is big. They hit on all the important marks, but without the spark, without the fire. So those I put into the bucket saying, these are opportunistic founders. These are founders that, you know, it makes good business sense to start this business, but maybe they have no idea whether it makes existential sense for them to start the business. And I'm very, you know, I'm, I'm not scared, but I'm worried about them because at the end of the day, I don't know if they have the existential gasoline in their tank that they're going to need when things get tough and when things get, um, dark and when there's no answers and the other ones, the, the, you know, the existential founders, those are the ones that are, they're going to find a way through anything. Like, like Nietzsche says, he who has a why can overcome any how, right. And so you want the ones that have a very clear why, because ultimately that's, what's going to be um, putting light on the path. And those guys will never give up because they're not going to give up on their lives and their lives and their startup are kind of an extension of, of each other. Uh, what is next your, on your agenda? Uh, any upcoming projects, books aimed at, uh, I mean, existential metrics in the startup world? What, what is your next schedule? So right now I'm, I'm, <clears throat> I'm really happy with, you know, generating all this content uh, about the, the existential founder. We've, 
we I, there's 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 a free newsletter um i write every single day in linkedin i'm going to start a youtube channel um and and videos on social media and we have a community we have a community of now it's hundreds of founders in nine different countries in Latin America that we get together once a week and we talk about all, all how to win the inner game. And we share, um, you know, practical philosophy, tools, inspiration, kind of like a support group to help us go through these things. Because you can find all types of other support groups helping you to win the outer game, but nobody's helping you win the inner game. So um, what's next? I think it's it's going to be kind of like a membership uh, community where you get access to to a lot of different perks and a lot of different benefits of of helping you get these tools that you need to win the inner game. Um, uh, a book called The Existential Founder will come out, which has all of these concepts uh, that we're talking about. And, and really that's been a new calling for me, which is, you know, um, generating content that will help founders at the right stage ask the tough questions, the existential questions, and find ways to move forward. And I think that's going to be a very, very good uh, positive impact on the entire ecosystem because money will be gone, will be spent uh, with founders that not only have existential founder fit, but have the tools to, you know, be happy and smile, even though everything is falling to pieces. And to understand that even if they fail, you know, quote unquote fail, there is still so much value in everything that they are and everything that they do. And I think as a community, we have to be very cognizant of that and very supportive of, you know, if you're a rock band and you stopped uh, playing music, nobody's saying you failed and people are still singing your songs years after. Nobody says the Beatles failed and, and you know, they're co-founders, right? They, 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 they had a co-founder drift and they stopped making music, but, they still have their hits and we're, we'll remember them forever. And that has to be the same with founders. And, and when a startup fails, we're like, oh no, they failed and nothing happened. And there's it's it's just a different side of the story um, and everything has value. And if we're seeing that from an existential lens, I think we can help everyone in that community grow. Um, and that will be very beneficial. It has been a captivating discussion, Alex. Thank you for taking the time uh, to join me today and sharing your insights and great uh, also learnings from your experiences. And uh, would you like to add anything uh, before we wrap up today's uh, um, recording? Well, just to thank you again, Burak, thank you so much for the lovely conversation, for the space. Um, you know, my, my, my message is, and I get this asked a lot, like, what, what, what would you tell um, your younger self? Or would you, what would you tell founders? And I would say, listen, the, the, the most important um, thing that you can focus on is finding your big why. And, and you're going to find your big why in two ways. One is prioritizing your self-discovery. So you have to make it a priority. You have to discover who you are. And how do you discover who you are? <clears throat> you have to get outside of your comfort zone. So there are different things that that work for different people. For me, it was all about, you know, backpacking and 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 traveling the world by myself without a budget, you know, just going deep, deep, deep. Other people have different experiences. But um, you know, I gave myself 10 years to be with myself, to fall in love with myself, to discover who I am. And that was the best investment that I made because that's the most important relationship that you have. So uh, instead of just trying to win on the outside and win on the outside. Try to win on the inside, discover who you are so that you can have that big why pop up, meet you. Everybody has an inner genius, an inner authority, 
and the world um, deserves to have you imprinted on the world from that unique power source. And so find out who you are and only then afterwards be a founder, you know, and be a founder for the right reasons from an awareness point of view, not from inertia uh, and have fun and don't take yourself too seriously.